Hi, I'm Fioni. I'm a mother, a birth keeper, a teacher, a woman's mentor, a body worker, a doula, and so much more. Hi, I'm Deborah. I'm a mother, a humanitarian worker, a yoga teacher, and a student doula. In this podcast, we bring together women who share their journeys to motherhood with us. We want women to share their doubts, their fears, what they've learned along the way, and their memories. Our goal is to inspire, inform, and empower. Each woman is unique and has a story to tell. We hope that you'll love these stories as much as we do. Welcome to the Becoming Mother podcast. Okay, so welcome. How are you today, Deborah? I'm good. I just recovered from a flu, so I'm feeling much better. Uh, and the essential oils have been a lifesaver, and I'm glad I put them in my suitcase and not in the boxes. <laughs> so that's a good uh, reminder to myself. And, uh, and you, how are you doing, Tony? No, I'm good. I mean, it's, you know, towards the end of the year, and my son's got, I think, one more exam left, which is great, um, just so that we can, yeah, to wrap up this year, which has been really exciting. Um, and this is our last, our last episode for the year. Um, that yeah, and I'm so proud. You. I'm so proud of ourselves that we carry on with the podcast, even though uh, our respective lives have been quite hectic this year for each of us, with a lot of different projects and um, and different things happening. I remember that we actually started the podcast at the beginning of this year of 2022. We started recording. Um, beginning of 2022. Yeah. And here we are. Here we are. So so today we're going to be um, interviewing Mia. And Mia is a client uh, from lockdown time that I met. And the reason why uh, I wanted her to come on and share her story is because she's got three different stories in two different countries. So I think it really gives you, the listener, a great insight into how birth can be different depending on your life circumstances, depending on what support you have, and depending on which country you're in. So I'm really excited to, to have her on today. I really enjoyed listening to uh, Mia's stories because I can relate to her uh, as an expat where you have to learn everything about how you give birth in a foreign country, being far from your family. So I think our audience who can um, relate to that will enjoy the story, but also if you are living in your own country, because it's always interesting to hear how birth happen in other countries, I find. And I think that's why we started this podcast, um, because we wanted to share all kinds of different stories from different places in the world. So Mia, welcome to our podcast. It's so wonderful to have you here. How's your morning been, Mia? Very good. Kids have gone to school and my little one started nurturing nannies today because she's uh, quite a firecracker, let's just say. <laughs> How many months is she now? She's 15 months. Wow. Amazing. Time, time flies. flies. <laughs> It's flying. It's going even faster than it was before. I can't believe how quickly it's going. Oh, I met you, I think, when you were pregnant, your last pregnancy. I can't remember how we met exactly. I think it actually was through Jean that we met, another That's client right. of mine. Um, <laughs> yeah, and then you came to yoga, and then you really wanted a V-back, 
and that's how we how we journeyed together. So I would love Great. you to now introduce yourself and just say who you are. Okay, well, thank you so much for having me, guys. I think it's very cool what you're doing. Um, so yeah, where to start? My name is Mia. I live in Johannesburg, South Africa. I have three children and a partner named Michael. My children are, the oldest is Benjamin. He's nine years old. He is the only boy that we have. And then I've got two girls. My daughter Lola is seven. And then the last little girl, Mika, who um, the only helped me birth, is 15 months already. So she is the last baby that was born in South Africa. And the other two actually were born in Hong Kong. We were traveling for my husband's work. And we ended up, we started out in, in Singapore and then we ended up in Hong Kong and by accident, our first little baby arrived and we were very unprepared in a new country and we had just moved. So it was quite, quite an intense situation, but actually one of the best experiences of our lives. So I actually, I'm a graphic designer. I've been working remotely since then, since we moved, so about a good 10, 11 years. I, I'm a graphic designer and a web developer and I work all over the world. So all my clients from Hong Kong still still in contact with me. I've got clients all over America. So I try and juggle three children and a job and a husband, which is pretty much a job on its own. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. So let's start at the beginning. Can you tell us a bit more about how you met uh, your husband and how this is all started? Yeah, sure. So whew, it's going way back. So Michael and I, it's quite a funny story. We were supposed to be set up. We have, we are both Portuguese and in South Africa, it's a, uh, there's a lot of us. The Portuguese community is very big here. So we had mutual family friends and we were supposed to have this big setup because Michael had just broken up with a long-term girlfriend and I was, you know, just messing around. And I think my parents wanted me to meet somebody lovely. So two weeks before we were going to meet, we ended up randomly meeting in a, in a nightclub of all places, just serendipitously, like as met, started talking and we had so much in common and we just hit it off from the first minute we met. Anyway, two weeks later, we had been seeing each other for those entire two weeks and we pretended we didn't know each other at this family meetup. <laughs> Little did they know. And the lady that wanted to, us to meet so badly actually said to, said to my mother, oh, well, you know, we tried, it didn't work. <laughs> but um, eventually we, we came out that we'd been seeing each other for so long and it really was love at first sight. We just got on like a house on fire. We were best friends, but also had an insane, one of those very fiery kind of relationships where it's, you know, very, very good or very, very bad. So we... We've been through a long journey together to be where we are now, but it was very uh, meant to be, I think. So that lady knew that even before you guys met each other. <laughs> Correct. I think she she saw how <laughs> how well suited we could have been. <laughs> have you always known you wanted to be a mother, and how did you and your husband decide to become parents? 
Do you know, I, I'm going to be honest, I didn't always think that I was going to be a mom. It wasn't something that I grew up as a child wanting to be. It wasn't, uh, you know, I didn't dream about getting married and having children and having a big family at all. It it wasn't my idea of, you know, my dream for myself. I always wanted to travel. That was my big, my big dream. And I always wanted to, to make a difference. So having children kind of happened. <laughs> it didn't, it wasn't planned. Like I said, we had just moved countries and things were a bit all over the show and we we're trying to find a place to live. And I was actually on a contraceptive pill and obviously not taking it religiously. So we ended up falling pregnant by accident. But in hindsight, it was one of the best things that could have happened in terms of timing and you know, being of the right age and where we were in our lives. We had a, a great steady job. We were in a new, exciting country that were very children friendly. And yeah, it was a great, it was a great accident, to be honest. And it started our journey into familyhood. And and once our firstborn was was born, we I mean, we just took to it like pigs in mud. We just enjoyed him so much and we did everything together. We were like three musketeers. So it worked out beautifully. <laughs> and because it was an accident, how how did you first feel? And did you even think about uh, maybe not having this baby in the beginning? Was it even a question for you? So no, not it wasn't a question to uh, abortion never came into my mind or, you know, let's just you know, fix this problem and be done with it. That didn't enter my mind, but I did feel quite scared because I was in a new environment and I, I didn't have any support. I didn't really know. I didn't even know a gynecologist or, you know, you, that's all very new. So I was, I was quite scared, but luckily I have Michael and he's, you know, he was so excited that it, it actually rubbed off on me. So I ended up just going with it, you know, and, and actually if you remain quite calm, it's amazing how clear things become and, you know, you can get quite decisive. So we were quite excited from the beginning. I mean, the initial feeling was scared and terrified. But um, once you start thinking about it and, and getting to terms with it, it was, it was lovely. It was a, it was a lovely build up to having, having him. It was a beautiful surprise. <laughs> it was a beautiful surprise. <laughs> it was. And then the other ones, I mean, were the others planned or did they also just happen? Uh, yes. So, Lola, our second born, was planned to a degree. We didn't expect her to come so soon. We started thinking that, you know, maybe it's time to have a second one. And we were just chatting about it, but nothing, you know, concrete. And then again, it kind of, it happened sooner than we'd expected within that month of trying. And Mika was the same. So we, we wanted a third and uh, we were going through COVID. So everything was a little bit different you know priorities were different our mindsets were very in tune with what's important in life because we were seeing a massive world pandemic so we also we decided that we wanted a third but also came a little bit quicker than what we had anticipated <laughs> which was a blessing in disguise because it gave us a good amount of time with her during covid and during a time where we could all hunker down and be together as a family and get to know each other. So it all worked out, funnily enough. 
Beautiful. So being in a foreign country and, you know, not knowing a gynecologist or any of that, what were your plans for birthing? If you can take us through each of them. That was a journey in itself. Like I said, we we had no intentions of having a child. So I didn't even... I didn't even know. I mean, my sister had had a child, so and she had Caesars because she lived in South Africa. That was what was done, and it wasn't really an option. She didn't really even know about all the options. But because we were in Hong Kong, it was a very different story. Natural birth is the first choice. Insurance doesn't cover Caesars unless it's an emergency. So that was the options that we were, you know, left with. And then I discovered through a friend of mine, a beautiful community of Finnish women. They were all from Finland and Iceland and those sort of countries. Um, There was a whole birthing, it was like a birthing center, or not a birthing center, but a a midwife center, midwifery, let's call it. And I thought in the beginning, I thought this is a whole bunch of hocus pocus. I don't want to even come back here. She just took me as a matter of interest to look at some options um, in terms of birthing naturally, hypnobirthing, using a doula, using a midwife, as opposed to too much medical intervention. And slowly but surely, I started, um, you know, going to a class here and there. I went to yoga again. I went to yoga twice a week with them, through them, um, prenatal yoga, so that we could start getting the body prepared And they were my first introduction into how preparation really counts when it comes to birthing. Slowly but surely, it takes the nine months that you have to get yourself prepared for birth. You know, at first there's that initial feeling of, oh, no, I can't do this. There's no way. I'm never going to have a baby. (laughs) I just, you know, we, you just kind of, you're so scared that you don't even think about D-Day. So... It was, a, it was a beautiful journey because they were so experienced and obviously in, in the Icelandic countries, that is the way it's done. Um, they, they only use midwives, home births, water births, um, all those kinds of, uh, let's say, it's not a treatment, all those, those experiences are what, what is normal and natural. And they were bringing this concept to Hong Kong. Not that it was unknown, but it, it was just very nicely organized and beautifully um, handled. So through a couple of courses, I decided that hypnobirthing was the way I wanted to go. I've never been good with medication. It's always made me feel very out of control. So I, I like the sound of, of birthing without any medication. We went through this journey of going through the classes. Then I brought Michael in to, to join us and he was <laughs> traumatized to say the least. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> yes, a lot of videos and a lot of he, he couldn't understand why I was actually electing to do this but eventually he came to terms with it and uh, Michael's a very supportive person so whatever I decide to to do he'll support me but I don't think it would have been his first choice <laughs> yeah so we went through the class I did all the meditations I read the books and I had a lot of time in my hands in Hong Kong because I didn't have a huge community of people that I was, you know, seeing. My work hadn't started fully because I was, I had just arrived. So I was trying to set myself up. I was running a catering company with my neighbor, but it wasn't like a full-time thing. You know, we would cater once in a while, maybe twice a month to a house party or something like that. So it was a very relaxed 
time in my life and I could actually focus a lot on on this birth and this this new baby that I was going to welcome. So I had a lot of time. I rested a lot. I slept a lot. I had a lot of time on my own to think lots of walks in the parks. And that time in my life was was very sacred and very special because I was so alone. In a way, it was a, it was a blessing. I wasn't mm. distracted. So yeah, so we ended up having a natural birth. I I actually needed to be induced. I was 10 days overdue. So I went in for an induction the night before. I only ended up getting the the pill that they insert. I didn't end up having any oxytocin because I went into labor naturally at six o'clock in the morning. And then it was time to put all that I learned in, into practice. So it went beautifully up until a time where I learned that the baby was, uh, our spines were touching. Posterior. Posterior, that's right. I'm out of all the lingo now. <laughs> so he was posterior and I ended up feeling a lot of pain. And when I did, I ended up into, a, uh, we, we, there was a bath in the birthing room. So I went into the bath and it was all going really well until I got out the bath. I was doing my meditations. I was doing all my, my breathing. Michael calls it whale sounds, but I had this intrinsic deep need to make these deep hums so it's actually reverberating through my body and I, I feel like it was calming the whole situation down and the baby was very calm until I got out the bath and then I actually really struggled with pain so much so that I I, I mean normally you wouldn't in a, in a hospital get an epidural so late but just before I was about to you know, um, push and go through that, the doctor came in at that time, if you can believe it. I was with the midwife the whole time. The doctor came in and said, this is not going to be very comfortable. I would highly recommend an epidural. So I said, no, yes, I'll take it, whatever you can give me. So I did. I had an epidural right at the end, probably about 30 minutes before Benjamin was born. And then it was hanky-dory. I I was pain-free, completely pain-free ended up birthing him um, lying down, which wasn't ideal, but had gotten into the bed and the doctor had recommended that we do it this way, put my hand, you know, feet up into the stirrups and that's how Benjamin was birthed. And he was so ready to come out that he, he had his meconium all over the show. He was a mess. There was just blood and poo everywhere. <laughs> but <laughs> Lovely. It was, it was actually in, in hindsight, a beautiful experience in the sense that he was the most extremely calm person when he came out. He didn't cry. He went straight onto my breast. He fed the whole time. And while they stitched me, I had some tearing. They stitched me up. He was just in my arms from the first second. And he, I, I have no other words to describe it, but he was this very calm, peaceful baby. And it was so beautiful for us to have that because we weren't ready for what could have been, you know. We went to the room. I got cleaned up. He ended up having to have a bath because we were all so, so dirty from everything. Um, he had a little bath. I had a bath. And we spent the rest of the – we were there for three days in hospital, just relaxed in our in our little cocoon. We had a midwife come to support us every, I'd say, couple of hours. She was in checking on us. and 
also mentioned she'd never seen such a calm baby in her life. You know, he just went with it, chilled, didn't cry much for feeding. I mean, I was always feeding and and giving him what he needed, but he, he was unbelievably calm. So that was lovely and a very good introduction into childbirth, natural childbirth, um, having a midwife, having the support, having done the work and, you know, with having the tools to support me to go through that. It was amazing. So that was my first experience. And Hong Kong, he was in a, he was born in a, a private hospital, which was up in, in the peak, which was a very, let's say it felt like a hotel. It was a very expensive <laughs> hospital, private hospital that really took care of you. So we were very well looked after there <laughs> from Lovely. food to support to, you know, you name it. They were at our beck and call and it, it was a lovely experience. Lovely. Made you want another one, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Once you've gone through it, you, you realize there's nothing to be too scared about. I mean, yes, it's a lot of pain, but you forget about it so quickly afterwards. He really was an easy baby. So, you know, when you have that experience, you don't really question whether you want more. You just say, there's no way I'm not having more. That's, it was just so beautiful. And you know, the love that you feel and the, the feelings of fulfillment as a parent, when you have your first child and it's, it goes so well, I, I think there's just something beautiful about that. There's something, it just solidifies your, your feelings of wanting to be a parent. So yeah, yeah Benjamin uh, was a, a lovely introduction. And after that, I thought, you know, I could have 20 more babies. <laughs> yeah. We enjoyed it so much. Again, we were, we were on our own. It was just us three. Um, we did, we, we used to get out every day and walk him. And I think because he was so easy, he, he made it and we didn't have to change our lives too much. You know, we didn't have, we weren't stuck indoors or, We could still go to restaurants. We traveled. He was about three months and we started traveling again. Um, Hong Kong's that kind of place where it's, it's easily accessible to lots of little beautiful destinations in Southeast Asia. So, yeah, he just joined in, came along for the ride. So it was a, it was a fun time in our lives. It didn't feel like we were too put out. <laughs> You know, I remember in the, in the yoga class, you were the only one who had three babies and you are the most relaxed. And I was thinking, you know, I have one baby and I'm so exhausted. How does she do it? She's just so relaxed, so cool. She's running around, carrying her baby everywhere. And I remember you said, uh, oh, you know, Mika, she, she falls asleep and then she always wakes up in a different place because I'm always on the run. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I remember I felt so inspired by that because you ma made it feel just so easy and and natural. And I think we were a lot of first-time moms in the group, so we were all looking up to you thinking, it's not that difficult. <laughs> you can just, you know, <laughs> carry on with your life. So, yeah, I really like that about you. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think because we had that experience or, or because of the time and place that we were in our lives, we, we couldn't just... In, in our little apartment and get depressed. So we did, we, we carried on and, and that set the tone for me as a mother and it set the tone for us as parents and it set the tone for children, um, you know, kind of can come along. They don't have to weigh you down or stop your life. 
Um, it's much easier said than done. I'm saying that as if, you know, we, we go through no t- trouble, troubles at all. But um, I think they children will adapt to whatever you situation you put them in. So if you decide that that's how you want to do it, or you want to travel or you want to just carry on with your life or you want to just go for a coffee and they can come with, it's okay. You know, they will adapt. And if they scream the whole time, maybe the second time will be different. Maybe they won't scream so much the second time. But I think what I, I just kept trying, you know, we kept going and doing what we wanted to do. And we were fortunate with a, with a child that was quite relaxed. Uh, it's not always the case, um, as I found out with my second child. But we keep going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had a friend uh, who saw how we were traveling so much uh, with our baby. And she said, that's great. It makes very flexible babies because they have to adjust all the time. Correct. And I, I know that I have friends who, you know, stick to the routine. Every day the baby must nap and go to bed at the same time. And they, they, they don't go out anymore because the baby has to be in napping in their bed at the same time every day. And I was thinking, I can't do that life. That's not me. I'm not going to stay at home just for the baby to sleep in his bed every single day. And, and I thought, oh, my God, we're going to mess up his schedule. And we were in Italy where everything is late. You can only start having dinner at nine o'clock, which is way be- uh, later than our usual bedtime. But he just started going to bed at midnight like us and waking up later. And he was fine. Correct. <laughs> you, know, you, just think... shifted, you shifted the day. It doesn't yes. make it um, exactly. any less sleep or any less routine. It's just shifted. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, Anyways, I, I do think it's very dependent on the parent as well. Um, we are like that. Um, Michael and I are quite we re- relaxed and we and travel is important to us and, you know, seeing friends is important to us. So we made it work for our lifestyle. But having said that, I think I think if you if you're a, di- a different type of person, maybe more organized or you like the routine, I, I personally don't love routine. So I was happy to not be so strict about it. It is very beneficial for the child. I have seen it, you know, firsthand. But uh, I think you can bend the rules a lot um, when it comes to children. I don't think they, I think they need to adapt more to parents as opposed to us changing our entire lives to fit their schedule. Yeah, exactly. And, and with my husband, we we're saying, you know, that's life. You know, things change. Yeah. You don't always do things at the same time. We cannot teach our children that everything is so regular because that's yeah. not life. And that's not the not way correct. we live our lives. So I think you really need to, as you say, trust that your children can adjust. Correct. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've got a new saying since I, I had a third child. And that is, it is what it is. When people used to say that to me before, I would get so frustrated. I'd be like, no, it doesn't have to be what it is. You can change it. We can make it work. You know, you can adapt, you know, something like change it. But since having Mika, I've realized it is what it is. You have to take the situation and deal with it because no matter what you do differently, it is what it is. I don't know how to explain it. You know, you can't control everything. And trying to control everything makes it worse than than um, just going with the flow. So 
yeah, the third child has taught me to really relax and just take it all in my stride. It is what it is and how it's going to be will be and you must just go with it. <laughs> so tell us about Lola's birth. Well, preparation and birth, How how is that? Okay, so Lola was a little bit different. So she, she arrived quite quite unexpectedly. Well, same as Benjamin, I guess. We were still in Hong Kong, um, but at that stage I was working full on. And then I decided to study a little bit further. And I did this intensive uh, five-month web development course, which, you know, if you know web development, it's, it's not a walk in the park. It was quite a taxing and mentally draining course that I did and I was pregnant with Lola and I thought no I've done this before I'm just gonna do it again the same way and I didn't put in the time I didn't go to my yoga I didn't have the time I was studying from seven in the morning till nine o'clock at night Benjamin at that stage was in a play group um, and we had a very nice uh, helper who who basically ran the home and looked after him beautifully and you know, I, I was pretty pretty involved with my my work and my studies. So I did definitely didn't put in any of the preparation time that I did with Benjamin. And we ended up um I'd say maybe three weeks before she was due. Um that's when I finished my course and I decided, right, let's quickly do a quick recap and carry on as planned. Uh, so I read my hypnobirthing book, but the whole time I just didn't feel ready. I don't know how else to explain it. I felt nervous again. I wasn't ready and I wasn't prepared. And I know, I knew in my heart that deep down, you know, this, I don't know how this is going to go because you haven't put in the amount of work that you should have. Um, maybe it's just me, but I really feel like preparation in birthing is the key to having the birth that you want. And I think people uh, overlook that very yes. easily um, because of what they hear out there or what doctors tell you. Doctors that are supposed to be guiding you the most <laughs> tell you it's not necessary or, you know, it's just quick, quick or whatever the case is. In any case, I finished my degree and I was completely finished after that. I was so exhausted mentally and physically. Um, I just felt very drained. And I also had a, a very long um, bout of morning sickness with Lola up until about seven and a half months. So I was also undernourished. I was completely, I was very, very thin, very skinny. I probably weighed half of what I weighed um, before I even fell pregnant with her. So all of that plays plays on on your preparation to have have a baby. Mm -hmm. So by the time she was due, I went in for my checkup the day before her due date. Oh no, no, sorry, it was after her due date. Um my gynae who had delivered Benjamin ended up he being on holiday. So I went to this brand new gynae, a lady, and um it was quite jarring to be so close to having a baby and being introduced to a new doctor. I didn't know yeah. how to, I didn't know how to read her. I didn't know how to, I didn't have a midwife um, that I knew. Um, so I was quite, it was me and her and I was quite alone in the, in the process of where, what to do. 
anyway, I went for this checkup. Uh, Lola was due on the 25th of, of July, and I, it was the, let's say, three or four days afterwards she wanted to do a checkup. In any case, we did the scan, and Lola had turned again. So in, uh, she was, she had her head down up until then, and at the last minute, she flipped over. She was transverse breech, so she was lying across me, and the doctor thought that this was the end of the world. Uh, she was panicking. She was trying to get hold of my original gynae to say, look, we, in a, we have a problem here. She could go into labor any minute, and this baby is transverse breech. I need to do an emergency Caesar. And at this point, I think because I hadn't been had my preparations and I was mentally and physically quite drained, I went into panic mode with her instead of being calm oh. and and like just taking a moment and understanding where I was at, you know, praying, seeing where I want what I wanted to do, I went with the panic mode that she was in and she booked us in that evening. Um, so this was in the morning. She booked us in that afternoon to go for a Caesar at 5 p.m. So I phoned my my husband in a panic. Luckily, my folks were there because it was Benjamin's birthday. It was his actual birthday. And uh, they came to support me for the birth and to be with Benjamin. I had a lot of support around me, but we were all kind of panicked that I need to I needed to rush home, pack my bag, and get to the hospital. Um, there was a lot of processes as well to to get there. We had to go to the police station for a clearance of some sort. I can't remember the details, but it was intensely stressful doing that and, and getting there and then running up to the hospital, same hospital that Benjamin was born in. But this time it was an elective Caesar and I just did not feel prepared. So to cut a very long story short in terms of um, – the process and procedures. We got there, we the baby was born um, that very day. And as you know, with a Caesar, you need medication. And I, like I said, I've never been very good with that. And I think they gave me a little bit too much than what mm. I should have had. Yeah. Um, I think they take your weight and your heart and whatever, and they, they almost over anesthetized me, whatever the question was, um, it was oh, because mm. it was so rushed. I couldn't, I couldn't even, I wasn't, my brain wasn't going with the, the pace that this situation was going with. So anyway, Lola ended up arriving that evening or just after, let's say 6 p.m. from a 5 p.m. check-in and I was just out of it. Couldn't, couldn't focus. I remember taking her in my arms when she was born. She was this sweet, fat little baby with a really fat face. It's probably where all my nutrients went. But then I don't remember much else. I remember being in and out of consciousness. I remember my parents coming. They were trying to put on my boob, but I, because I wasn't so uh, with it, you know, I don't know what happened, to be very honest. And, it, and it's the sure. worst feeling in the world, not being, yeah. not being present, especially when your child is being born. So I really just, I, I did not enjoy the, the, the whole thing about it. I didn't enjoy the Caesar. I thought it was very sore. I couldn't walk straight afterwards. Whereas with Benjamin, I literally walked, I got off and I walked to my room with my baby after um, having him. So I couldn't walk. I couldn't get out of bed. And I was, I was very drugged up until the next morning. So I think Michael actually took the, 
the baby and he and to this day they have the best bond and I think it's because of that they they spent all that time together um I think he was putting her on my boob every couple of hours but um they were he was the the primary caregiver for that day that night and uh, the next morning I woke up I felt a little bit better a bit groggy but I was I was present I was I was awake so I could actually take her in and and enjoy her and put on my boob and and really just stare at her really and like figure <laughs> out you know who she looks like and <laughs> and do the bonding that was supposed to happen the day before so yeah that was the experience with Lola excuse me yeah she I would say was my difficult baby because perhaps that bond didn't didn't come right away which makes me feel so sad but <clears throat> sorry but yeah she she turned out fine <laughs> and that's the thing that you have to remember is that it's not always going to go your way yeah yes so yeah that was Lola's birth but after that um when we left the hospital my parents were there and we actually had a, a beautiful time bonding and Benjamin was a great big brother. He he came into the he walked into the hospital, and luckily we had the midwife support again. Same scenario, and he went into the the room that he was in, like that he birthed in, and it was quite a special like full circle moment because, you know, he got to he got to see where he was born, and then my parents got to experience where Benjamin and Lola were born. We had lots of visitors because we had established a few friends at that stage. So it was it was a lot busier. It was a lot more full, a lot more love, a lot more support. You know, people were bringing meals and biscuits <laughs> and, you know, that kind of thing where you actually need that when you have a baby because the more the merrier, the more support you can get, you know, you just take it. And that's the one thing I learned from the one to the other is that with that support, I was able to heal a little bit better. You know, I didn't have to always have her and hold her and carry her and feed her. Everyone was uh, open arms and could help. So it was beautiful, actually, in its own way that she got to to have her whole family around her and she, she, she arrived in a very full home. So, yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful, especially when you live so far from home. Um it's beautiful that uh, your family was there. Exactly. You yeah. realize how special it is. Yeah. And yeah. only parents will, such so as my parents that were there, and only they, you know, it's like this, it's this beautiful uh, moment where they had you and you had a baby and, and everyone's together and they, they, they are just as emotional, if not more than you. Yeah. And it's so nice to see that that they can they can feel what you're feeling and you're sharing in that those emotions together. So yeah. it was lovely. I <laughs> I just so with Benjamin it was different, but um, both the girls had that. I love how the family was so involved in their in their lives uh, from day one. It's beautiful to have your family close by, and that's um, one of the main reasons we actually decided to move back is for the children to know their grandparents and to have their family around them all the time. I'd say that's the primary reason we did. And that's why your sister lives next yeah. door to you. 
<laughs> That's why my sister lives next door. My <laughs> sister-in-law lives in the complex next door. My mother-in-law and my mother live five minutes away and they in the same road and we basically live in a commune. <laughs> we went Amazing. from one extreme to the to the other. We are so supportive now. It's, it's the opposite. <laughs> Lovely. Yeah, I think maybe you maybe you needed to live far away to realize how much you needed them close. That's exactly <laughs> it. That is exactly it. Because when we left, I said goodbye. I don't think I'm going to see you again, South Africa. I'm going to be gone forever. <laughs> And then, yeah, life has a funny way of changing your mind. <laughs> yeah. And, and Benjamin loved um, his uh, sister right away. He was very happy to, to be a big brother. Very happy. I mean, he's still, he's, he's a boy, so he doesn't have that same nurturing um, way. So he wanted to play soccer with her from day one, but he was so gentle with her. And you know what? Not jealous at all. I know it, it happens um, that some siblings can be jealous. He was not at all phased with her arrival, just took her in with a pinch of salt, you know, and just, she just slid into his life. And he, <laughs> we have some beautiful footage of him, like, trying to talk to her and giving up and just always kind of reassuring that she's there and patting her and then carrying on with his laugh. <laughs> How sweet. It was lovely. Yeah. So then, then when did you decide to, to go back to South Africa? So quite soon after Lola was born, Hong Kong is the type of city that doesn't, uh, it doesn't sleep and it doesn't stop. And it's, it's go, the, the pressure of life there. It feels like it's a very taxing um, lifestyle. And having Benjamin was lovely. Just having one child was fine and you can go with the flow. But with Lola, having the second child, I felt like I, felt like I was getting a bit stifled by the pressure. It was coming down on us. My husband had to make some decisions at work and we discussed it very briefly and we thought, you know, maybe it's the right time to go back now and just uh, close this chapter. So within six months, we decided to move back to South Africa. So Lola was born in July and we moved on the 1st of January, that very next year, which made um, her early years very busy and uh, hectic <laughs> and yeah. yeah it was it was a lot of go 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 I think in hindsight I should have stayed until she was about two so that she she would be more settled because she went through some some issues with diet um, she wasn't picking up weight she was very scrawny I was advised by the gynae to take this injection called depo to uh, sure. it's a contraceptive injection injection and it it really messed with my body and it messed with my milk production and because life was so busy I didn't even notice until it was almost you know she was almost 10 10 12 weeks and she wasn't picking up weight she was a very thin little baby and a lot of stress around her nutrition and feeding her and Lola's been that child for me that you know that that one that kind of you worry about. <laughs> You're always going to worry about one child. And I think Lola's it for me where, you know, she wasn't picking up weight. Then we were, then we were moving countries. Eventually she, she just flourished and got really, really fat and had rolls everywhere. So we went the opposite way. And then we were moving countries and we were renovating a house, our house. And there was no time to just sit and play with her. So 
she was with her nanny a lot and I don't think she was as stimulated. So I was really worried about that. And then she started school, but she was 18 months. So it was too soon. There was a lot of separation problems. So I was really worried about that. And it just, it just doesn't end, you know. I think as a mom, you will really worry about everything all the time. <laughs> yeah, worry so, and fidgety. <laughs> correct. Worry, worry, worry. And stay, stay up at night when you don't need to. <laughs> and so tell us about Mika's birth now. Mika, I felt like, sure, I've got this wax. I've done a, a natural. I've done a Caesar. I know I don't want to do a Caesar again. So let me... Let me make sure that doesn't happen. Um, I knew what I needed to do. I knew I needed to put in the work, get the preparation done, have support, which is why I came and found you, Theoni. So I was doing the yoga. I had a doula. I had a midwife. Um, I just struggled to find a doctor that would support my um, my want or my desire to have a VBAC. But eventually I got there. I went through a couple probably about three doctors before I found one that would support me. I was a little bit more flexible in terms of, of work and life. I could, because I was um, self-employed, I could go to my yoga every Tuesday morning. Life was busy because I had the two kids, but I, I made sure that I, I made time for, for Mika, for Mika's birth or, or the preparation that I needed to do. And it was, it was so lovely. It was so nice to have family around. I was in a different country, so I was a little bit nervous. I didn't know what to expect. I didn't. I, I'd wanted to to have a baby in South Africa, but I didn't think it was going to happen until you know we decided on the third, quite late in the game. So there's a eight year and a six year age gap. So it was that, and then the big the big elephant in the room was COVID. So I was really worried about COVID and how it would affect me if I got it. Uh, if the baby got it, or if I got it through in the, in the baby, um, or if I'd get it in hospital, because that's where everyone was saying that everyone caught it. And yeah, um, the big waves. So I was um, quite heavily pregnant through the second wave. And then we had a bit of a lull. And then Mika was born just as the third wave was kicking in. So it was quite stressful. I would say it plays a lot on your mind and you see people dying around yeah. you and you hear of how the rest of the world was doing. And yeah, I think mentally um, this third birth was my hardest. I struggled a lot mentally with all that was going on. And towards the last month, I'd say the, the very last month before Mika was born, I was in complete depression. I was not sleeping. Um, I just struggled a lot mentally, but I had a lot of support. I was seeing a nutritionist to help me make sure I was getting all the right nutrients. I had Theoni and the oils and everything, you know, mentally that I could do, I was I was trying to do. But um, yeah, it's it's easier said than done. So sometimes hormonally you do go through things. I think I was quite depressed. To be honest, if I look back, it was not a postpartum depression, but a prepartum depression that I was dealing I mean, with. Those were tough times. I think uh, mm. most people, you know, were feeling the way of this uh, lockdown and being isolated. And I think being pregnant and, as you said, like 
going through all these hormonal waves within you and wanting to feel right. safe. You know, when you're pregnant, you're so vulnerable. And Correct. it doesn't feel like you are in a safe environment because we didn't know what was going on with COVID. Exactly. So that, so it's that unknowing, yeah, that unknowing and that that lack of safety really does play on your mind, especially when you're bringing in, in the baby into the world. You think, you know, why am I doing this? And exactly. you start doubting a lot about your decisions and your life. And yeah, things get things get quite hair-raising. But luckily I got through that. It was just day by day and, and I had Michael's full support. He was up with me at night trying to stay awake through all those birthing uh, meditations. <laughs> I, I tried everything. Um, so I did. I had a lot of great support along the way and eventually it came to, to D-Day. But I, I was prepared and that was the key is that I felt that I had done everything in my power to to make this feedback successful. Um, and that was where I felt at least the relief of, of welcoming Mika into the world. Luckily, she was, she was, it came very naturally. I didn't need to be induced. That was three, two days after my due date. Michael was busy doing the perennial massaging. And <laughs> very I was important. Like, oh, something's, so, yeah, very important. <laughs> I said, oh, no, something feels a bit different tonight. I don't know what's going on. Um, <laughs> something feels a bit uh, like contracting. I was like, maybe it's a Braxton Hexel. It'll be fine. And then my waters broke, but very slowly. So it was like a drip break. It wasn't just like a big whoosh. And very soon after that, I started going into um, contractions. It was about nine o'clock at night. We had the kids were fast asleep. Michael and I were saying, okay, this is it, babe. It's time to put everything that we practiced into, everything that we learned into practice. I called my sister. She lives next door. So she just walked over. She sat with me for a long time. She was actually there with Benjamin's birth, which I forgot to mention. So she'd seen this. She'd watched that movie where, you know, Mia's going through a lot of pain. (laughs) So she was holding my hand. Michael was on some app trying to track the contractions and the time. We we're trying to get hold of Dioni and Karen, but they were in another berth. <laughs> the timing was impeccable, impeccable. Um, you had your sister as your doula. <laughs> exactly. My sister was my doula the whole time, actually, <laughs> um, leading up to it. But we started seeing that this was going a lot quicker than, than Benjamin's birth and a lot quicker than all the things that we had read. If the contractions were coming fast, harder and faster, I managed to remain totally calm through them. Um, but to say they were extreme was, you know, it, it just, I think I, I skipped through that very early labor um, yeah. where you're just kind of starting to feel things. I, I, I ramped up very quickly. So that started at nine o'clock and by I think half past 10, 11 o'clock, I was in full-blown labor, which is a very quick time to to go from zero to hero. We drove to the hospital. I was um, in the back over a ball trying to breathe through everything that I was going through. And by the time I got to the hospital, Theoni and, and Karen, my midwife, were there. And... I just looked at her. I looked at Theoni and I said, this is this is happening quickly. <laughs> and you were like, okay. <laughs> um, 
And it did. And that's exactly what happened. It went very quickly. I think they were barely finishing, filling up the bath, the water bath. Um, yeah, we didn't have much water was, in that bath, just enough to birth, I think. It was just, it was just enough a, to birth. a puddle. That I, yeah. <laughs> luckily, Michael got in and it raised the, the level a little bit, but it was it went so, so quickly. I actually I had to write it down to remember. It was the best advice they only gave me. Straight after it happened, I wrote I wrote down the the whole story and now and then sometimes I read it I've read it once afterwards it was so fast yeah um hopped in the bath how did you handle it so I think because I was so prepared and I knew and I had had one before I knew okay it's you know it's it's you're gonna go into some pain but you're gonna come out of it and there's that up and the down and you're breathing and you you I ended up chanting a little bit as well just to get that those reverberations going through my body to calm everything down because it was so quick. You know, you, you almost, you're almost catching up to what you need to do. You're like, Oh, it's happening again. Okay. Let's, let's do that. And then the minute I went in and just shut everything else, else out around me, I mean, I didn't even at some stage know where Michael was. I just went internally and I, All I could picture was holding my baby and that's what got me through because it was, it was very painful. There was no medication. There was no time for medication. I remember, I think, asking for it, saying, um, I'd like something to maybe take help with the pain. And then Karen was like, sorry, baby, you're too late. <laughs> that's not happening. Um, not happening now. <laughs> so I just... I just kept picturing, I remember kept picturing my baby, holding my baby in my arms because we also didn't know what sex it was. I also just wanted to like find out. I was a lot, very curious, very, like I just couldn't wait to see her or him at that stage. Anyway, it went very quickly. Karen helped me like, um, I think she she sort of pushed, pushed it all out. And then all of a sudden I had this huge release and the baby came out in the water which was the best thing because it really helped relax me and it wasn't as sore. Funnily enough, the water was the one thing that helped me the most when it came to pain. And we thought the whole time it was a boy and out came this girl and Michael and I were just in shock and bliss and all the happy hormones were ticking through. And I just remember feeling so, so grateful and so much love and like relief was like this huge relief that I don't think I've ever felt before it's like running a marathon and, and coming out on the other side or that that feeling of oh I've done it you know um that was my my I remember the big thing in my head of of having Mika and having it the way that I wanted it having the v-back I got what I want you know I was prepared I put in the work I I did all all that needed to be done to get The, the results and just felt so grateful because I've heard, you know, when you're depressed and when you're in COVID and you hear and then you're reading stories of how things can go wrong and, you know, you, you realize that when it does go right, you actually just need to be so grateful. Absolutely. And yeah, we were just stuck in this love bubble um, for, we stayed in the hospital very, very quickly because I wanted to get home to my children because they couldn't come to visit us because of COVID so she was born just after midnight. Uh, we stayed in hospital one night and then left the next day. Again, the calmest baby you've ever, ever, ever experienced. She would just, she slept that whole night after, you know, we had her. I was actually more awake 
Uh, but funnily <laughs> enough, everything lifted for me. It, it was a beautiful um, experience because the depression, the lack of sleep, the anxiety that I was constantly feeling just lifted. The minute she was born, I, I couldn't care what was, I wasn't worried about anything. I didn't have any sort of anxiety left. It just lifted. It was the, it's the most miraculous situation, actually. Um, and just having the support, you know, um, having Theoni there where she was feeding me chocolates and, and whatever, I, you know, whatever I needed. And we were just talking about how, what, what to do next. Cause sometimes you just don't know, you know, you're a bit like, Oh, okay. I've just had this baby. Now what, you know, and then they helped me just bath and shower and tuck me in bed. And I just, you know, that feeling when somebody's just tucking you in bed, there's nothing better in the world. It's so much comfort, so much love. We were completely, um, taken care of and and it actually wasn't by the hospital staff it was by the 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 midwife and the doula that we brought in and funnily enough I don't think I saw a nurse after that um until we left we were we were on our own we were left alone and it was the best experience and we kind of because we had had two kids I actually enjoyed that I didn't feel like I needed anyone to come check on me didn't take any painkillers didn't feel the need and that was that. Yeah. And then we came home and this third wave hit. Kids didn't go to school. Everyone hunkered down. We stayed home and we got to really be a family of five. You know, we got to re relearn how to be around each other and introduce Mika to the children. And I mean, it wasn't all uh, peaches and cream. It was heavy going in terms of homeschooling and breastfeeding and healing but not having any excuse to leave the house was the best thing for us because I got to, I got to really just have every excuse to stay in bed in my pajamas all day and feed and sleep, and that's exactly what we all needed. So I could so be there perfect. for for the children. <laughs> yeah, it was perfect, perfect timing. <laughs> yeah, you could stay in your little bubble. <laughs> yes, absolutely, our little bubble, all our pajamas, our pajamas, twenty four seven. Um, it was it was perfect for sure, and I was just, okay, just I think um, the feeling. If I look back, the feeling that I felt the most was just gratitude because of of it went the way I wanted it to. Because I knew there was a high chance that it wouldn't, so yeah. I was just so grateful the whole time. And I'd look at Mika and I'd be like, "Oh, I'm so grateful." <laughs> it was lovely, best experience ever. I don't know if you want to speak about your breastfeeding experience, Mia. Yeah, I mean, for me, I, I was very um, used to it from the other two children. So it kind of just, it wasn't new to me. I just fell into place and I carried on as it was. Amika experienced a similar thing to Lola where I wasn't giving, she wasn't put, picking up enough weight. But um, with some extra pumping and extra extra efforts, we, we, got, we sorted it out right away. You know, I, I knew what to look for. Uh, I was the third really does bring another element of experience where you've seen it, you know, you know what to do. So it was pretty smooth sailing for us uh, in terms of breastfeeding. Yeah. So can you tell us what do you enjoy the most about being a mother and what have you found so far to be the most challenging for you? What I love being the most about being a mother is how, how, different your children are and just watching them grow like I get I feel so much pride and love when I see them and it doesn't matter if they can be you know doing anything um 
it just it's it's quite incredible to witness these children i mean you don't want them to be like you but you see so much of you in them and you i just enjoy their their or discovering their personalities and who they are that's like my favorite thing about having having kids and having these three kids is that they're all so different but they all bring such a beautiful dynamic and they've got so much character and they make me laugh and I just enjoy being around them so much they really really are fun I've just spent a month with them on my own well mostly on my own my husband was in and out but I've spent a month with them on holiday just the three of us no no nannies no help no no parents no no one and we had so much fun because it was like four little children going out and adventuring every day and discovering and i just loved it so much that is my favorite thing about being a mom and i really do have fun with them the thing i find challenging the most is that it's it's a lot of responsibility and it's three different souls that you have to give of yourself to on a personal level on a personalized level so i can't just cuddle them all and think that they're going to all get that love from me. Um, it's one-on-one time. They each need different things from me, different kind of support. And yeah, the sibling rivalry is real. So I struggle to sort of handle that. I just find it very, very disheartening, but it's a real thing. So they're all vying for my attention or our attention, and it's 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 hard to to manage. But my number one thing would be to try and split myself three ways. It's impossible. Actually, four ways, because you need to give your husband some attention as well. So splitting yourself four ways is is the thing that I find the hardest. And I always, there's some kids that are more demanding. So you you sometimes don't spend as much time with the one that you should be because the other one's demanding more or the baby's, you know, a baby's a baby and and really does suck all your time. Um, so I feel guilt a lot of the time. I feel very guilty that that one's not getting enough of my attention or, or this one didn't, I didn't get to, to do that with that one today because um, my time was just not enough. So that's the hardest part for me. And I love the way you say, you know, split in three, no four. And I wanted to say, well, actually, no five, because you've also got to have time for yourself. <laughs> Correct. So true. We forget. <laughs> we completely forget yeah. and we overlook and we think, oh, well, no, it's fine. And actually, that's the Absolutely. most important. It's if you can have time for you to be centered, to take a breath, that actually you can be more available for everyone else. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, I definitely put myself last on that on that list. And you're right. It's not the right order to be because then you can't really give wholeheartedly of yourself when you're not not you're feeling so depleted yeah so as we wrap up what words of wisdom would you like to share with the moms or you know that are becoming parents um either that you've gained from your experience of mother of three or that you would have been told if someone had told you before so i would say nothing can prepare you (laughs) but if you can try and be as prepared as you can like especially for birthing you know, put in the effort. In terms of parenting, being calm and remaining true to yourself as much as you can is the best advice I could give somebody. 
I often feel like, oh, now I need to flap and panic or, you know, and the minute I switch into calm mode, everything goes so much smoother. Um, I really do think that there's so much noise outside. And when it comes to parenting, there's a lot of podcasts and blogs and books and, and just car park talk, you know, and other parents that you speak to, and there's a lot of noise, but you have to just try think about yourself. Everyone's so different and what, how you want to raise your children. That's the thing, you know, you, you have to set these, these morals and these, these rules for yourself that that's how you want to raise. Cause it's, I think it's very easy to just quickly veer from that, or you heard that from that mom and that's working well. So you're going to try that rather. And I just, I think you have to listen to yourself and your partner and work as a team. Very much teamwork is makes for dream work in our case, but we're on the same page and we we know how we want to raise our children and we know the values and the and the morals and the systems that we have. And yeah, we listen to we we stick to those. So that's kind of how I run my life and my family's life. <laughs> well, it's beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah, thank yeah. thank you so much, Mia, for sharing your your stories. Um, because there are indeed three very different birth stories uh, that you had. And uh, thank you for reminding us how important preparation is actually when you are about to give birth, because I think um, a lot of us women try to do it all. We try to have an inspiring career, to be good partners, to stay fit, etc. And And sometimes we overlook this time that we we need to go inward and prepare for this new life that we are going to give. So it really shows uh, how important preparation is. And uh, I'm glad that uh, you shared that with us. Uh, so thank you so much for joining us and, and for sharing these uh, beautiful stories and for inspiring us as well uh, to stay calm and, uh, and take things one at a time. Thank you so much for having me. It was It was lovely. Yeah, thank you so much, Mia. So lovely. Wow, I really enjoyed that. Deborah, how did you enjoy that? Yeah, I love Mia. She's so amazing. And she's such a cool mom of three. Um, and she makes you want to have more children because she makes it look so easy. <laughs> yeah, you know, I really enjoyed the, the, the reminder of... Um, and especially reminds the listener that how important preparation is. And if you listen to her stories, it really comes across how she really prepared for the first one. It definitely went better, easier, calmer baby and her third. Um, whereas the second one, there wasn't as much. And you could really see it in her, the experience of her second, second birth and child. I also really love, and you talk about her being this calm and this calm woman in this calm mode. I love the way she she reminds us that you know there's a lot of noise, and and when we are raising our children, we really want to listen to ourselves, our partners, and work together and align with our morals and values of how we want to raise children. Because really, this is what it is. It's just the start um, of raising children. Exactly. And that was very interesting also to hear more about VBAC by general birth after C-section, uh, because I think it's uh, something that's quite scary to many women. They are not sure if it's possible, how they can do it and what are the risks and so on. So it was beautiful to hear that it is possible and uh, it can happen uh, in a beautiful way. 
And you know, um, listening to Mia's stories, I had a reflection. I thought uh, that our podcast is also healing because I feel that it's healing for the person telling their stories. Um, the way she explains how it was uh, hard for her to bond with her second baby um, and wasn't as easy as the first one because, as you said, she wasn't as prepared and, and life was very different for her at, the, at that point. Um, and I, I felt that it was healing to listen to her and I hope that our audience feels the same. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to be taking a bit of a break in December. So this is our last uh, episode for this year. And for those who haven't uh, managed to obviously listen, can catch up on episodes. And then we've got lovely people in store for next year. Deborah, do you want to tell us about that? Yeah, when uh, you told me about Lishka's story, uh, the one that's coming up in January, I was so looking forward to hear about her because the way that uh, her second birth unfolded in front of your eyes, Tony, and I don't want to spoil <laughs> the story now, but it's, uh, it's really uncommon. And, um, and I, I think you will enjoy listening to this because it really shows how our bodies are so amazing. And that's also one of the messages we want to share in this podcast is that even though a bridge baby um, that uh, is positioned with the feet uh, coming out first is not uh, very easy to birth, um, it is possible. And uh, I think Lishka tells that story very beautifully. And I start to scream for my gynae. Lishka! <laughs> Because her, and her office is two, two floors up. But anyway, I think she can hear me. And they literally rush in. They get a, um, a bed. I climb onto the bed right in the reception area there in the foyer. I stay on all fours. They push me. Luckily, there's a theater on that floor as well, literally around the corner, which is where I had my, I think where I had my first DNC. Push me into the theater. And then I could let go. So... One minute later, without any intervention whatsoever, Charlie just flew out. <laughs> he just flew out. So you just heard Lishka, uh, which um, we really enjoyed her story. But meanwhile, uh, during this Christmas break, we are asking you to give us a present and uh, share your reviews on uh, the podcast platform that you are listening us on. That would be really helpful for us and uh, it will mean a lot uh, for us to hear from you, uh, what you what you learn, what you felt and um, anything else you want to share with us. That would be really appreciated um, because we are doing this podcast uh, from our heart and so it, it's always nice to hear from our audience. Yes, and also if um, you are on Spotify, what's great about Spotify, which I didn't, which I've just learned, is that you can actually comment. So it would be lovely if you are listening on Spotify to just um, give us a comment. Yeah, we are receiving a lot of very nice uh, comments from our community, and um, it would really be helpful if we actually write them down uh, on those podcast platform for us. Thank you for listening to the Becoming Mother podcast. We hope you felt inspired, touched, 
and that you learned something. Feel free to share the love and share this episode with your sisters, your mother and your friends. Follow us on social media. We are on Instagram and Facebook, becomingmother.podcast and you can email us at becomingmother.podcast at gmail.com. If you feel called to share your story, reach out to us.